Hey everybody, this is John Larson. I'm the worship pastor at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, and you're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dalton, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. So if you haven't already, you should tap that subscribe button on whatever app you're using right now to listen to your podcast on, and you'll never miss another one. Thank you so much for listening to this. This is episode 19, and today we're talking with John Larson. He is the worship pastor at Church of the Highlands. They have over 20 campuses all across the state of Alabama, so he helps to to lead and shape the worship culture over all of those locations, and he has been a part of the church in one capacity or another pretty much since the beginning when it started in 2001. And in this conversation, we talk about ministry culture. When we say culture, that's really just a fancy way of talking about how the ministry feels, what it feels like. If someone were to be a fly on the wall during your events, sitting in on your meetings, sitting in on your rehearsals, listening to what you say, watching how you act, what people say when they don't think anyone else is listening, how would they describe the ministry? Would they use words like exciting, joyful, excellence, caring, prayerful, or maybe they would use words like clickish, disrespectful, complaining, lazy, The tone of the ministry is set by you. It's set by the leader. If you lead a worship ministry, it's your job to cultivate good, intentional culture. But the biggest question is how? And that's what John and I talk about. I love everything I see about the culture of Highlands. I've never been to one of their services, but I've watched them online and I see how their people are on social media or what they talk about in a blog post. So I wanted to get John's perspective on how they define the culture at Highlands, how they're intentional to create it and what to do if the current culture is negative or dealing with conflict on the team. And the short answer can be summed up with one word, relationships. And John definitely exudes that. But there's a lot more to learn on what it is, why it's important, and how to lead it well. We'll get to that conversation in just a few minutes. But first, the product of the month is the KZ ZST in-ear monitor headphones. If you're at a church that uses in-ear monitors or you're planning to to move that direction in the near future, the next big question is what in-ear monitor headphones to buy. Now, you can just use maybe the headphones that came with your iPhone. Those work out pretty well. Um, There's not a lot of dynamic range to them, but they work. There's other options that are out there that are designed for this purpose that go over your ear and all that, but some of them are $50, $100, Uh, several hundred dollars. You can get into custom molds that like fit the shape of your ear and things like that. But a few years ago, there was this company called KZ and they came out with the KZ ZSTs and I got my hands on a pair and these little headphones sounded great. They had really good bass. They had really clear highs, good dynamic range. And the crazy thing is, is that these headphones only cost $20. Now, You can upgrade the little foam tips that go in your ears to get a little bit of a better fit. And also that fit also is what influences how much bass you get. So 
I did get the comply foam upgrades. And also there is this cable that you can get that was uh, supposedly a higher quality cable that gets you better audio sound. And those upgrades and the headphones, everything brought the total to $50, but still really good sounding in-ear monitor headphones for just $50. And KZ has different options. The first ones they came out with were the ZSTs, and they're kind of the tried and true entry level. But they have some other models as well that sound really, really good. And I'm used to using like the Shure 215s that are a single driver, and those are $100, and they sound really good. But these, these ZSTs for $20 are dual driver, meaning the more drivers that you have in those headphones, the more speakers you have in those headphones and the better the sound is going to be. When these headphones came out, I did a full review on YouTube, and so I'm going to link that YouTube video along with a link to the KZZSTs on Amazon so you can check them out a little bit more. I'll put that in the show notes. In fact, as we mention things throughout the entire episode, we'll put links to them in the show notes as well. You can find those at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast19. And now, here's my conversation with John Larson. John Larson, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Looking forward to it. Hey, so I have to ask this question like right out of the gates. You're originally from California. That's right. Yes. You've spent a decade or so in Alabama. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, almost. Well, yeah, decade and a half. I've I'm kind of becoming a, a a true southerner, actually. Yeah, you're in, you're in that position. Like I'm originally from Chicago, but I moved like in the sixth grade, ah. and I've been for three fourths of my life. I've been in Oklahoma, but I always still consider myself I'm from Chicago, but I'm not. Right. Here's my question. Yeah. So from those geographical places, how does one become a Broncos fan? It's so confusing. I know it is, but but here's the here's the real the real story. So I was um, I lived I grew up in Granada Hills, California, which um, is where uh, John Elway, the famed yeah Broncos quarterback, played some high school f- football, and um, and so so we were always like we were always Broncos fans from the very beginning. I think it's just because the the part of Southern California where I grew up. Well, when I turned ten, we moved um, we actually moved to Colorado Springs. Um, right in the nineties in the glory days of the Denver Broncos and John Elway. And so thus, that's how I'm a Broncos fan. So is, is, are the Broncos, are they more than just John Elway or, you know, this year, uh, it's looking like they, um, look like they need a lot of help, but, uh, hopefully we can, we can see some improvement. It's been kind of rough actually the last couple of years, but you're still a fan. You're still hanging on. You're a huge fan. Oh man. Yeah. You know, funny story. Um, my son, who is a native Alabamian, I think that's how you would say that. Um, all of his friends, all of his buddies, they're, they're, you know, there's no pro football here in Alabama. But you have this little thing called college football. I mean, yes, it is. Yeah, unfortunately, there's th- that is the other god of Alabama. You know, we have we have God Almighty, and then unfortunately, we're you know we we're competing with the god of football. But that that's another whole theological discussion for another time. Um, but anyways, my son has become the most intense Alabama fan. I mean, roll tide, the whole thing. And so one day, uh, it was, gosh, he was probably five years old. It's about 10 years ago. I come walking down in this bright orange 
hoodie that has a huge Denver Broncos horse head on, you know, on the chest of it, but it's bright orange. Just so happens that the Denver Broncos orange is the same as um, Auburn University's orange, which if you're familiar with Alabama sports, you know, the main rivalry is Auburn and Alabama. And so my son, very dramatic, he looks at me and he puts his, you know, he guards his, his eyes and he says, oh, dad, I can't even look at you right now, you know, and it's because I was wearing orange, you know, that's how, that's the, that's the depth of his, um, you know, of his football thing. Anyways, that's so funny. So I just said, hey, son, if your last name is going to be Larson, you know, you're going to have to be okay with orange and you're going to have to, re- re- I'll take you to Alabama games, but you're going to have to be a Denver Broncos fan. I so. know what's good for you, son. And that <laughs> orange right. and that blue, that is good stuff and you will like it. That is right. So high hopes for uh, the 2019 football season for Denver Broncos. I don't know how that's going to actually turn out though. We'll see. Well, I, I but I, I love your tenacity. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've been watching uh, what you've been doing at Highlands for for a mighty long time, and uh, I was joking before we came on the air that you know you kind of were first like your red keyboard guy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you can you can you can you know you can tell who is the cultivator of that that ministry and of that of the vibe and of the of the culture. You can I don't know what it is about that, but I can usually after a couple you know watching it for a while, you can just tell who's in charge and not from like a pompous like I'm in charge. Yeah. You just know who the people are looking to for their leadership and for their guidance and the person who has influence and and so I looked it up and sure enough, you know, there you are. And you've been at Highlands from like the very beginning. I know. Yeah, I'm kind of an old guy around here uh, and loving loving having that, that role. But yeah, I, so I joined, the church was launched in February of 2001. Um, I got here in August of 2001, which of course, you know, here we are sitting in September recording this podcast, you know, I basically got here right before 9-11 happened. And um, so I'll just never forget the, you know, the, the first year of being here and just what that season was. But was a, was an intern came as an intern for about a year um, ended up moving back home after that school year get you know my wife and I got married and we came back on staff in 03 so I've been on staff for a little over 16 years and it's been amazing to see you know when I first showed up it was it was a couple hundred incredible people who had a big vision and um, it's just we, we had no idea that um, it would become what it's become and um, but at the same time grateful to be a part of it and just knowing all along the journey that God has been involved in it, and uh, really very little of it has to do with what we have personally done. Um, and uh, but at the same time, enjoying the ride, and uh, it's been fun to see it at every, you know, every segment of the growth of the church. That's really cool. And as someone who you know leads the the worship ministry, whether that be you know small and meeting in a gym or multiple campuses, yeah, I mean it's really easy to say, okay, well, what do you do? I pick the songs, I rehearse a band, for lack of a better word, we perform on Sunday. But there's so much more to what the leader does for that ministry. How would you describe your responsibility as a leader when it comes to the culture of that ministry? Yeah. Well, my title is worship pastor, and I think the the pastor half of that title is the most important part of it. Um, yes, I, I sing, I play the red keyboard. You know, by the way, on the on the red keyboard, of course, most people know it's the Nord keyboard brand. Yeah. And so we always had this. This is again, this is not theologically correct, and you might have to edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> but we always had a joke that where the Nord is, the Lord is, right? And so, um, anyway, I think many worship ministries have that same phrase <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, so I play, I play keyboard, I sing, you're right, I'm a part of the creative um, process that happens here at Highlands, both 
for every weekend service. And then also for, you know, we do for conferences and special services and all that stuff. But really, honestly, I believe all of that takes a second, uh, you know, a second seat to the fact that I'm, I'm a real pastor, or at least that's what I feel like my calling is. And yes, I have a pastoral license. So in the eyes of man, you know, it'd be, I have the, the proper credentials. But I would say that probably for a lot of the listeners of this podcast, we're all filling that role, whether we have those credentials or not, um, whether that's your title or not, that, that at the end of the day, you know, what I think is the most important thing for a worship team is to have that person or the, maybe a group of individuals that are really caring for the community, caring for the people, the, the artists, the creators that are in our, in our churches. And, um, and, and it's that care and it's that community and it's the, 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 you know, the great dynamics that come out of that, that overflows off the stage and into our weekend services where we can see, you know, God's presence be real and be vibrant and people to encounter, you know, the living God. And I think that comes from just a great community of worshipers and creatives. And I, so I feel like that's like my primary thing, you know, um, I'm not even the best piano player. I used to be, it used to be, I was, I was the best vocalist and the best piano player. And I don't mean that in a pretentious way. It's just because it was, there was only me, you know, back in the beginning. But now there's like a beautiful community that we have here. And my role is to not necessarily worry about all the music, but it's to worry, worry about the health and the culture of our team. And that's what I get, that's what I get excited about every morning. So essentially you're thinking about like, like where, like what, what do you want that ministry to feel like? So how, how do you. How do you always keep that at the center? Because sometimes I feel for me, it's really easy to get lost in all the things you have to get done and check off your list. But like when you describe it that way, when you're caring for people and being a pastor and shepherd, like how are you on a consistent basis putting that in front of you so that you make sure that those are the, like, that those are the things you're worrying about, not so much all the, the to-dos? Yeah, I think it's just what I've come to realize, you know, over the last several years um, is that is that we I think as worship leaders we have to come to we we really have to settle on some some core convictions um, the first one is is that you know honestly at the end of the day what is the real point of worship and there's actually a, a long I mean we can have again another long theological discussion on what worship really is um, but at, at the end of the day worship is you know worship it's showing worship to the Lord. And we're leading people through that process. The key, the key word being people. Like it's, it really is all about people um, when you think about it. So it's the congregation that you're leading, but it's your, it's your also your team that you're leading. And so you kind of have to come to that conviction. Like, is what am I in this thing for? Um, and really, it's not for you. Um, so, so if I if if I realize that worship is not about me, which we would all say, of course it's not about me, you know, it's about the Lord. But when you really dive into that and you kind of do a heart check on yourself, you know, which I feel like that's something I have to do every day, you know. I wish I could say I've got this, you know, pure heart, but I would I'd be lying if if I said I don't enjoy being on the stage. Lights are shining on me, you know. Um, everybody's listening to me. Everybody's hearing me sing this song. I mean, of course I like that, you know. Um, and, and so, but I have to realize that honestly, it's about the people that I'm serving. And so, um, when you realize that it just, it just changes how you act, you know, with the people around you, you can treat your team or your congregation as your audience and, and your, um, and your, uh, your, your partners in a performance, or you can treat 
your team and the and the audience as a community. And so I think it's that kind of that deep level conviction that changes how you act in every situation. I'll give a couple examples. It's when when the band messes up, you know, we've all been there, right? We've all had the the massive meltdowns. And do I ever have a list of meltdowns? And it's funny, uh, you and I were talking before we came on the air about um, just about you know the uh, putting uh, worship services up online. And so it's it's a great thing. Technology is awesome, but it's also for us. I mean, it it can expose where we've messed up, you know, and it's it's there on the internet for for forever, right? But um, but like if the so a, a scenario is if the band messes up, there's two choices. I can either get frustrated because we went over it a gazillion times in rehearsal, or I can I can look at it as you know, hey, this is a team, we've tried hard. Let's just fix let's fix the problem and let's do better next time. It's just a totally different feel. It's a totally different response in the moment. And I think if you're looking at it as a performance or as maybe maybe say it this way, if I'm looking at it as a transactional, if worship is a transactional thing, in other words, we provide a service, it's either good or bad, or is it a relational thing, which is we're a community of believers encountering the living God. The, you know, there's two different ways of interacting with a problem. If your band messes up or maybe the, you know, maybe the lead pastor changes the song on you last minute, you know, wants to do a different song. You know, there's a host of different scenarios that I'm sure all of the listeners of this podcast have found themselves in at some point. And, um, and I just think, so I, I go back to it all. It's a long answer to your question, but just, man, it's, it's that conviction of it's all about people. And, and if, it, if that's really the case, if I take care of my people well, both the the congregation that you're serving, you know, so, so you're thinking you're coming out of a filter of what's the best for the congregation and how can they how can they really encounter the Lord? You're taking care of your team. Hey, how am I serving my team, uh, whether it be volunteers or paid staff or maybe contractors? You know, I know there's some uh, people use contractors. If you do all that, um, the, the music's going to work out. Um, the creative idea is going to come. There's going to be a there's going to be a, a, a God inspired idea that comes out because God does His work. He shows up in the midst of of His people. You know, it says in the Word, when two or more are gathered in His name, He's in their midst. And so, so I just feel like for me, again, going back to my own personal calling, I mean, it's it's important to take care of the people around me. I'll say this: it's not just not just to make sure that they're feeling okay. But it's to make sure that they're growing. So there's, you know, there's feedback, and we can talk about that if we want to. There's um, that ne- there's feedback that needs to happen to make sure that their their um, their personal lives are great. You know, just to, to be involved in that. And and again, it's just kind of more some of the classic uh, job description of a pastor, just with music attached to it. And um, and I think if you know, for for a lot of us, I'd I'd love to encourage the the worship leaders that are listening that. Hey, you're not just a musician. You're not just a vocalist. That if you're in a leadership position, God's given you influence, and He's given you the ability to be pastoral uh, to to your team. I have a friend of mine named Nick Payne, and one of the things that he says that I've just latched onto is that like when they when they work with the the people that are part of their ministry, you know, as volunteers and whatnot, they always say that we want something for you, not from you. Yeah, so good. It's really easy to like. Um, well, I need this thing from. I need this thing from my drummer. I need my sound guy to run sound. It's like, but it's like, why don't we look at it from the standpoint of God created a position 
uh, that you need a drummer and 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 so that this person could fulfill that so that you could then shepherd that person. And when you have that mindset that it's about the person and what you can provide for them, yes, man, it flips your day around in terms of what you do. It totally does. It's just a whole new way of looking at, at the people around you, you know, and really even the, the, the function of worship in the church, you know, it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's all about connection, you know, it's all about relationship. So how would you define the culture at, at Highlands, like within the worship? And, and, and how did that, that come about as far as like, because you're being intentional about it. So how would you define it and where did it come from? You know, I, I think I would define our worship culture as following the same um, vision and culture of our church, which I think is always important. Um, I think... Uh, as a side note, I said I would say these days I feel like, especially in the the culture where everybody's recording music, everybody's maybe even branding themselves, and um, you know, and and songwriting and all that stuff. It's all wonderful, but sometimes they're the subculture of the worship movement within a church can kind of separate a little bit from the vision of the church. So I would just encourage people to stay, you know, up under the covering of the church that you're serving at. So when it comes to Highlands, I would say that our our culture is this. We we strive to have the same culture as what we're talking about from the platform. Um, so we would say, you know, Highlands exists for four things. It's to love God. Um, actually, I should say um, our Highlands staff exists to do four things. The kind of the staff values, the same for our volunteer values. It's all the same. So we love God. We love people. Um, we uh, we pursue excellence and we choose joy, and so I think in four simple statements I could, you know, echo the the values of of our staff and that culture to be our our worship team's culture. And I, it's so it's just a beautiful four statement kind of for us. You know, it's like it's a rallying cry. You know, because of course worship's all about loving God. You know, worship is love expressed. Um, loving people is what we just talked about. It's you know, it's we care for the congregation that we have that we're going to bring them along a journey in worship, that where they can experience God, they can experience His presence. But we're going to pursue excellence. I mean, um, there's you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no apologizing for the fact that we're going to try to be the very best that we can be. You know, we're going to be who we are, but we're going to be the best that we can be. And then choosing joy, we're going to just have fun and and do it well. You know, so so that's how I'd ex- describe our our culture. And I think, you know, um, just maintaining that culture comes from, I have to do it first. You know, um, my team, uh, especially the, those that are in a leadership role with me, we have to exhibit that. And, um, you know, I love, uh, of course it's been quoted often. I love Brian Houston's quote about culture is you don't create it, you know, you become it. And, yeah, and so you have to live it out every day, you know, but those four things are, are, kind of how I would describe it. And I think it's what's important here is that you had an answer, that you yeah. were able to, you know, because there's such an intentionality with the culture that you're creating, you had an answer. And I would imagine if I asked other people like CJ or others that are a part of that ministry, I would get something similar. You would. And yeah. so I think step one would be, you know, for you and your ministry, as you focus on this and kind of being really intentional with, you know, what is the, our worship ministry at our church about? 
coming up with a specific answer and even kind of having those sticky phrases and then finding a way to make sure that everyone else kind of has the same answer. And it starts by drawing a circle around you and then it goes out from there. Yeah. And I think you just talk about it all the time. So every time we're together, um, you know, we're, we're talking about one of the four of those statements, um, maybe sharing a story around uh, loving God or loving people or pursuing excellence, choosing joy. Maybe we're sharing something out of the Word, maybe a new uh, revelation that somebody's had. You know, it could be in a pre-service meeting. It could be at a community night. Um, we gather our teams at every location once a month. We, we, um, we kind of stop everything we do and just have a worship night, uh, a community night. So that, that's a great chance for our worship leaders, especially those that are leading our different locations, to share around our culture, share around, you know, what we're, what we're focused on. And so I think just having that in the conversation all the time, we reward people. Um, and it may not be like, you know, like a, a money thing, but it could be like at those community, ni- community nights, we, you know, if somebody's like, man, they're the most joyous person we know, you know, we're going to celebrate them in a public way. We're going to find some cool way to celebrate them or, or reward them, you know, give them a little, I don't know, $5 Starbucks gift card, you know, to, you know, just say, hey, this person, we're, we're just celebrating this person because they exhibit that particular part of our culture. So I think as much as people, you, you can show it, as much as you can talk about it, as much as you can be it and live it is, um, is all in, in how you develop that, you know, that, that strong culture. So what do you do with like when culture is bad? When, when I say bad, like people are coming to rehearsals late all the time. Yeah. There's kind of a spirit of complaining, but, but no, like, that never happens. Never. Not especially <laughs> with creative types. Never. Right. But like, but when you walk in, whether, you know, maybe you're new at a place or you just, you're realizing, oh, okay, we're in a place that, that I, that I don't think we should be. And I'm the leader. So I, you, you kind of take that ownership. So if you find yourself in a place where you're kind of wanting to write the ship, so to speak, um, how would you go about doing that? Yeah. So I, again, I think it all starts with relationship. So, um, so if you're in a place, pr- practically speaking, if you're in a place where there is bad culture, you're the leader, you're trying to ride the ship. I think the very first step is you get to know each of those individuals, you know, really well, win their hearts first, um, before you change anything, win somebody's heart. So, Lots of different ways you can win somebody's heart. You, it's it's you know taking them out for a coffee. Um, it's uh, uh, writing them a note. You know a good old fashioned like hey I was thinking like in the mail like real paper note. You know um, hey I was thinking about you. So grateful that you're drumming on the team. You know whatever it is. That's a great practical way to win their heart. Um, it's it's um, getting to know their family, getting to know their friend group, whatever that is. But. But I think before you write, try to write the ship or try to fix bad culture is you always build relationship because out of the context of relationship, you can do a whole lot of really great things. And you can actually even ask for uh, crazy things to change um, because they know that they, they, that you care for them or that you're for them. So, so definitely win their heart first. But then, um, you know, I think what I train our team to do is, is, just instantly starting a healthy feedback cycle. Now, I know in audio terms, you know, feedback is bad, but in culture terms, feedback is amazing because you're actually, you're, you're hearing back on how you're doing from people that you trust. So feedback, that means like after every service, 
I mean, this this happens here every week, you know, at all of our locations. After every service, after every, um, you know, worship set, there is little feedback cycles happening all over the place. Worship team, uh, production team, audio team, you, you name it. We have a couple of rules around how we give feedback, right? Because I'm sure you've been, I've been in um, settings where there's been strong feedback and it's right. actually, it's torn me down. It hasn't built me up. Um I'm sure you've been in those situations. The, the listeners have. Oh yeah. Um, where feedback hasn't been well handled. Three rules for us. We, when we give feedback, number one, we will always be honest. There's nothing worse than a, than a, um, a little white lie when somebody's trying. You know, like was I pitchy? Well, you were. You know, you were not quite there. You know, they're they're like beating around the bush. So just be honest. Yes, you were you were pitchy. Because you can still say that to someone and say, "Hey, you were pitchy," but at the same time, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Totally, you're a valuable member of the team. So we're just giving you something to work on, and we're going to do it together. That's right. And I think that what you just said leads to the second rule. So number one, there has to be honesty. But number two, we always show honor. So in every little bit of feedback, there is there is honesty and there's honor. Another way, and actually the biblical way to say it is grace and truth, you know, that, that we, you know, um, that we always speak the truth, but we always show grace, you know, to each other. And then I would just add one third rule for feedback, for healthy feedback would be, uh, just to be consistent. You know, like I said, for us, like we've just committed to the process. I mean, it, for me, I even take it into like meetings. Um, uh, you know, we have a meeting, a team meeting, or an, a, a team event, and then I'll gather some trusted friends, say, hey, how could this be better? You know, so after every single thing we do, we're, we have that feedback. So feedback is always honest, always shows honor, and it's consistent. It just happens all the time. So I think when you're in a bad culture, you got to win their hearts, and then you got to create this ability to give feedback, which really comes out of that, the trust from great relationships, you know? And then, and then like we, we said before, you know, just, just exhibiting that as the leader or as the team member in your own life. You know, um, I think for me, a great way to encourage other people to grow is to ask questions on how I could get better from people that aren't expecting me to ask them that question. So in other words, you know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the boss, you know, quote unquote of, of the team. Right. And I see your air quotes right now. Right. Exactly. Totally air quotes. Thank you for that. But, but if I go to somebody and say, Hey, how do you think that went? How do, how do you think that moment that I led went? It, it can actually kind of shock them a little bit. Cause, Oh, that's pastor John Larson. You know, he's the pastor, right? He can do no wrong. <laughs> exactly. So you kind of disarm that, that, you know, that, um, that feeling, and it just opens up a whole new world of possibility for the team. So, how do you deal with conflict among people like volunteers on the team? Yeah, where it's not necessarily with you; it's between them. But you're the leader of that ministry. Such a great question because that it, it happens. I mean, I know it happens for everybody. I think the first thing you have to do as a leader is you have to just have eyes wide open, um, be aware of of those those dynamics that are going on in your team. Um, and if you think they're not going on, guess what? They are, you know? Um, and I think, you know, for me, so being aware, but then the, the next thing in dealing with conflict amongst team members, for me, it's just always, I'm always asking the Lord, Hey, sh- show me the right timing to interact with this situation. Cause 
I've found uh, sometimes through you know the the hard way that you know getting involved in certain disagreements or maybe personality clashes or whatever at the wrong time can actually cause more damage to or you know or can or can prevent the potential of that relationship that's going through that you know that that time that period of frustration or whatever. So so I just I'm always asking the Lord. You know, there's I mean even right now there's probably I don't know grasping at a number, maybe 12, 13 different little dynamics that are going on in our team that I'm just asking the Lord, I'm aware of, but I'm asking the Lord, Hey, give me, give me the opportunity to speak into that. But then, you know, but then the, the other thing, and maybe going back to the title of pastor is, uh, you know, pastor is another word for shepherd. A shepherd protects their sheep. And, and so there is a time to be, to, to interact and to jump into something because you're, you're protecting the overall culture. And um, again, it goes back to that, um, to that same thing, just honesty, honor, you know, but, but really speaking the truth and getting to a, a proper resolution. That's so good. John, are you ready for the bonus round? I'm so ready for the bonus round. You should be. <laughs> okay, here we go. Bonus round coming at you Great. in three, two, one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Early riser or night owl? Yes. <laughs> How is that even a thing? It just, I go through phases. I don't know. Sometimes I'm an early riser and sometimes I'm not. So, favorite TV or Netflix show? Oh, man. Whew. That is hard. Um, is it Christian to say Stranger Things? Sure. <laughs> Somebody's judging me right now. I, I always have it. to say, okay, so when I do like auditions with the team, I always like to do you know interviews and get to know people, whatever. And I always like to ask, what kind of music do you like to listen to? And I'm like, and don't give me the Caleb answer. Right, exactly. if you're listening to Rage Against the Machine, I want to know that. Right. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm being honest. Stranger Things has been amazing. Cat or dog? Uh, dog. Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out? Oh, In-N-Out. Crunchy or creamy? Crunchy. First car you ever owned? Oh, this is great. 1988 Dodge Caravan Cherry Red with wood with fake wood siding. That's amazing. It was the best. You it looked amazing. I can see it now. You looked amazing <laughs> in that car. Her, her name was Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a car like that, and, and everyone's car like that has a name. That's very true. Favorite book every pastor should read? Oh, man. You know, the cliche but very but very true answer is mere Christianity. But I would say, honestly, the road back to you. I know I'm on this, everybody's on this Enneagram craze right now, but Ian Cron's Road Back to You, for me, has been one of the most impactful books of the last five years. I think pastors need to read it because it's just it gives perfect insight into into people and really into yourself. And we're going to put all that into the show notes, the books, and everything. So if you want to get more information, you can find the links that are there. Let me let me say one. Let me say two more. Can I? Yeah. No, it's, not, it's bonus round. Um, uh, the Unquenchable Worshipper by Matt Redman. Yeah. Super. That's that's more worship leader. And then The Holy Roar by Chris Tomlin. Two books that have been phenomenal. Um, phenomenal for worship leading. Uh, as a side note. I love that. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? Um, man, hidden talent. I am, uh, man, I can, I can cut really large trees down. What? That most people would hire a tree removal company to do. 
I can, I'm a, a pretty handy with a, with a chainsaw. Now here's the true test though. If I were to ask your wife, she would, she would totally say it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the true test right there. Yeah. That's fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the bonus round. Give it up for John. <laughs> So you have been at Highlands for what we said, like 15 years, and you have, you know, you've seen this thing grow from, you know, from pretty much a startup and, you know, and it it was mobile at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. The first six years of the church, we were a, a portable setup. Yeah. So like, you know, you compare to what you do now, you know, to then, like back then you were stacking chairs and loading trailers and all that. And now you're multiple campuses and things like that. And you've kind of been at the, at the, you know, a, a part of it. And so my thought is, here's a guy that, you know, pretty much for his career has done this one thing at this one place. How do you stay fresh as a worship leader and a leader of a ministry when you've been doing it as long as you have been at Highlands? Yeah. You know, for me, it's just knowing great people who do the same thing that I do and just being great friends with them, going and doing fun things. Um, there's a there's a couple uh, close ministry friends that I have from all over uh, the nation that we've connected at in different at different points. There's also some other, uh, you know, guys and girls that lead worship here in our local area in the state of Alabama that we, that I've, you know, uh, established a great friendship with. And I think being a part of, um, relational gatherings where we can actually share what we're facing, um, you know, and, and have people pray for you, have people encourage you, um, is, is a really powerful thing. And I think when I walk away from those gatherings, um, I would encourage everybody who listens to this podcast, even if it's just one other worship leader that's across town from you, um, get to know, like, go go and reach out to them. Have Go have coffee together or get to know each other because it's just, it's amazing just being able to say, oh, you guys, you guys face that same problem or, or be able to say, hey, this is what, this is what we're facing. This is, or this is what we're trying to accomplish. When I'm in those environments, that's what keeps me fresh, um, you know. I, I feel like I have a pretty active worship life, pretty active devotional life that can always get better. Um, so that's obviously a, a key component. But I think for me, what refreshes me the most is when I can joke around with some other guys that are go, you know basically doing the same thing I am. And it's just, I don't know, it's like it, it breathes life into me. And um, I'd encourage everybody to be in those types of relationships. We have a saying around here at Highlands that life change happens in the context of real relationship. You know, it, it's just anything's possible when you're, when, you know, when you're opening, it's the, it's the book of James talks a lot about that, you know, um, that, that when you're around other, confess your sins one to another, you know, that may not be confessing your sin, but it might be saying, Hey, I kind of had a rough day today. You know, can you, can I talk to you about it? That's so it breathes life into you. And so life change happens in those relationships. And for me, that's what keeps me sharp. And it seems like you do a good job of keeping the main thing the main thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and just, you know, why reminding yourself and even having those checks was like, why am I doing this? Yes, I, I like to be on stage. And if I'm honest, there's a little part of me that, you know, we have this drive within us yeah. to, you know, to, to be on that stage. And I think God puts that there, but that can very quickly become like, a, I want to do it for me. But just, you know, 
keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah, let me, if you don't mind, I'll just share a quick story about a real story that happened to me. So my dad um, is a very successful architect. Um, so, you know, he's got, and he was actually worked a lot in, in the church world, built a lot of churches, a lot of pretty successful companies and ministries that he's designed buildings for. And as a kid, I, I still do. I love my dad. Um, he's actually my neighbor, which is awesome. Um, so I look up to him. He's, he's phenomenal. And everybody knew him. I was at this thing and somebody came and said a comment to me at one point and they didn't mean it the way that it came across. But they said, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to know you like we know your dad. And I think they were talking, they were kind of joking. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but it was, you know, he's got buildings and it's got his name on it and all that stuff. And can I just tell you how that lived with me for a long time and maybe even motivated me to strive for things that I really didn't need to strive for? You know, long long story. There's a lot that, that went on there. A lot of stuff that I had to work through. But it was kind of like that sapped out, that sapped the energy out of me or, you know, it was kind of depressing, you know, nobody's going to know you like we know your dad, you know, it's kind of a bummer, right? I'll never forget riding down the road. This is probably six years ago, but it's, it's longer than that. It's probably, you know, eight or nine years ago I was riding down the road. And I just remember that comment. I'd probably forgotten about it. It's like the Lord brought that back up in my memory. And I felt like him just kind of you know, it wasn't like, you know, some, some big voice that said this. I just, I felt like I had this impression that where the Lord was just saying, Hey, when that person said that, you know, really, here's the, here's the point. If you can, if you can live your life and operate as if, you know, nobody really, nobody's going to know you, I'm going to be able to, that, that kind of, um, mentality, I can use that and do great things through you. And I think that's a good, it's been good. It served me well, I think, in worship leading, because like we said, you know, everybody wants to be up. I think it's a God-given thing to be up front, out, you know, in, in public. I like it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. But I think it's that mentality, like, Lord, nobody needs to know who I am. But just all I, all I really want is for you to use me. And I think if we can get that into our worship teams, you know, get that into our musicians, it's a power, man, that's a powerful thing. God can do great things with, with an army of people that have that that mentality. I like John a lot. He's funny. He knows his stuff and he genuinely cares a lot about people, which is why I think he's still going strong 15 years in. Culture is something that you work on every single day. It's not a big speech that you have once a year at the annual meetup. It's how you start rehearsals. It's what you say when you're texting a team member. It's little, consistent, small whispers with an emphasis on the word consistent. But if you lead a worship ministry, this is part of your job. You define the culture, so be intentional about it and lead it well. And even if you're not the person who's officially in charge, you still have influence. So use your influence to inspire people to be the best version of themselves. On the topic of defining and cultivating good culture within a ministry, when I was at the Philo Conference last spring, I sat down with a guy named Ryan Howell. He's the 
director of production at Watermark Community Church in the Dallas, Texas area. And we shot this really quick 10-minute YouTube video about this same question. So it definitely complements everything that we've talked about so far. I'll link it in the show notes of this podcast episode. That and everything else we talked about, you can find at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 19. If you've made it this far into the podcast, hey, do this for me. Take a screenshot right now and then share it on social media. I always love seeing where you guys are listening to the show from and what you're doing. Not only is it cool to know that you're listening, it's fun to know when you're listening and how you're listening and what you're doing while you're listening. And when you share it, tag me by using at Dave Dolphin. Okay. And thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. The reason why that those are so important is that those reviews and ratings are what tell iTunes to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests so that more people can benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this from Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, thank you to you as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and hey, let's do this again next month. Where the Nord is, the Lord is, right?